Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry, where we tackle social, political, and cultural issues from the perspective of unapologetic guests while highlighting citizen activists doing amazing things throughout the country. To impeach or not to impeach? That is the question. While almost half of the House Democrats support an impeachment inquiry, there are many people who disagree. Is this the best thing to do ahead of the 2020 election? What happens in an impeachment inquiry? If a president is impeached, can he still stay in office? How would this benefit the country? There are a lot of questions when it comes to this process and what it actually means. So in this episode, you will hear from lawmakers and activists who explain why now is the time for impeachment. I also speak with two additional guests, John Bonifaz, an attorney who specializes in constitutional law and voting rights, and Renato Mariotti, a former federal prosecutor who helps me break it all down. I'm Alyssa Milano, and I believe we need to open an impeachment inquiry right now. Sorry, not sorry. Donald John Trump, president of the United States, is unfit to be president. This is not about politics. This is about the Constitution of the United States of America. When you think that the president has committed crimes, which I have read the Mueller report and I believe he obstructed on multiple occasions, we have a responsibility. This president must be held accountable. It is time for us to stop allowing this president to make a mockery out of our Constitution. And the way we do that is we begin impeachment proceedings now. We need to move forward with the impeachment process. The Judiciary Committee should begin impeachment inquiries. It's time for us to impeach this president. House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler suggesting today that his committee is already in effect conducting an impeachment inquiry. It could lead to articles of impeachment or it could lead to something else. We are considering the possibility of articles of impeachment. James Madison once said a president is impeachable if he attempts to subvert the Constitution. So, John, I want to start with the word impeachment. For the listeners who may not be aware of what those implications are, what does the word mean? Well, the word is in the Constitution to deal with when a president or other official in the government commits treason, bribery, or high crimes, misdemeanors. And this president, as we know, has committed multiple impeachable offenses. The purpose of that clause in the Constitution was designed to deal with a president who so abused the power of the office, abused the public trust, that removal, impeachment and removal was necessary to address that threat, not waiting for the next election. It's often misunderstood as somehow relevant or or, or related directly to whether the president has committed a crime under the federal statutory code or state uh, crime, when in fact there's no requirement whatsoever under the Constitution that there be a indictment or a conviction of an official or a president in order to start impeachment proceedings. So high crimes is really about abuse of power and abuse of the public trust. I also think there's some confusion about impeaching, meaning that you are removing a president from office. Correct. The process is first that the House of Representatives starts an impeachment inquiry. If that inquiry leads to articles of impeachment, then the House would vote on it first at the Judiciary Committee level, then the full uh, House. And then after those articles are issued, charges, if you will, against the president, then the Senate holds the trial on whether or not to convict and remove the president from office. The courts have no role in this process. I know President Trump has been saying he'd take this matter into court. There's no role whatsoever for the courts. The only involvement of any judge is the justice, the Supreme Court 
chief justice who presides over the Senate trial, uh, but not uh, in any in any major decisive way. It's the Senate that decides whether or not to remove. Hi, it's Congressman Jamie Raskin from Maryland's 8th Congressional District. Impeachment was put into the Constitution by the framers for one very simple reason, which is they had ample experience with uh, kings and monarchs um, plundering their own people and plunging their countries into war. So impeachment is there as the uh, last means of democratic self-defense by the people and by Congress against a president who behaves like a king and insists on trampling the rule of law. Hi, this is Deborah Messing. I am absolutely, unequivocally for impeachment, and I have been for a while. I I don't understand people who are saying that we should only start the inquiry if we know we're going to win, quote-unquote win, in the Senate. I think that is absurd the inquiry is to discover evidence and then to decide whether or not you're going to impeach. I think that it is a dereliction of duty for any member of Congress who can look at what Trump has done. Russia attacks us. He welcomed it. He lied to investigators. He tampered with witnesses. He obstructed justice. He is a virulent racist. He put children in cages. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We are well beyond high crimes and misdemeanors. We are now talking about protecting the rule of law and protecting our democracy. The fact that we know that Russia right now in this moment is infiltrating our electoral process and nothing is being done about it is, is treasonous. So I think that um, we need to be uh, unapologetic about it. Party is not above the country. Hi, I'm John Cryer, and I believe impeachment is not an option. It's actually a requirement because we can't allow a president to commit multiple crimes simply because his party controls the Senate. What other presidents have been impeached? So we've had two in our history that have been impeached. Andrew Johnson, when he, after the Reconstruction era began and Lincoln was assassinated president. Andrew Johnson became president, and he sought to defy Congress and defy the Reconstruction policies, and he faced impeachment proceedings primarily over his refusal to comply with a law that dealt with the tenure of office of cabinet officials. There was a real concern at the time that the Secretary of War uh, was going to be replaced uh, by a new cabinet official that Johnson wanted in there that would not force the South to comply with Reconstruction policies. And so that was the first impeachment that occurred. It actually went to the Senate and lost by one vote. He was uh, not convicted by by one vote. The second impeachment in our nation's history was of President Bill Clinton uh, for alleged perjury and obstruction of justice uh, with respect uh, to a sexual harassment case and a civil matter. Uh, And he did not uh, get convicted, as we know, uh, in the Senate, but the House did vote to impeach. The third impeachment proceeding that that was initiated but never uh, went to the House floor for a full vote was the Nixon impeachment proceeding. And there we know that the House Judiciary Committee passed articles of impeachment after impeachment inquiry, uh, and then President Nixon resigned, recognizing that he would not uh, be able to sustain the Senate trial. He, he would be convicted most likely in the Senate. I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. What did the president know and when did he know it? The Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The five men carried cameras and apparently had pounded electronic bugs. The espionage operation on the president's behalf was called the Offensive Security Program. 
the charge that the president knowingly participated in the Watergate cover-up. I must put the interests of America first. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. This is a public act, not a private act. What the defenders want to do is lower the standards by which we hold this president. You, sir, may resign your post. House Resolution 611 resolved that William Jefferson Clinton, President of the United States, is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors. This is Congressman Dan Kildee. President Donald Trump should be subjected to an impeachment inquiry. It's the only way we'll get the answers we need. And as it now turns out, it looks like the only way to hold him accountable. He's ignoring the rule of law and has to be held to account. After reading the Mueller report and seeing numerous instances where he attempted to obstruct justice, flaunting the law, really ignoring the rule of law, and then hearing him say that he would again accept outside meddling into our election if it were help him, I found no other choice. Some have suggested that the politics may be bad, that this could be bad for the 2020 election. First of all, I don't think we know. I don't think we can know what the political implication will be because we first have to take our case to the American people, which we have not effectively done. An impeachment inquiry would allow us to do that. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, what difference does it make what the politics are? That's the problem. We shouldn't be thinking about the politics. We should think about how we defend the Constitution, how we defend the rule of law, and how we explain this moment to our children. And in my case, I think about my own grandchildren. How will I explain how I dealt with a president that has gone so far off the rails? Will I say that I was thinking about the political calculus, that this might affect the way Democrats are viewed in the 2020 election? Or will I be able to say that I was thinking about the Constitution, the promise of our democracy, and that I was willing to do everything I could to defend it? That's why we have to do this. That's why Donald Trump needs to be impeached. No Trump! There is overwhelming evidence that Trump has committed multiple, multiple impeachable offenses. Can you go over these? Yes. So we we started at Free Speech for People, the organization I direct with an impeachment campaign the moment Donald Trump took the oath of office because he was already in defiance of the Constitution and the rule of law from that moment. He refused to divest fully from his business interests, which placed him on a collision course with the two anti-corruption provisions of the Constitution, the Foreign Emoluments Clause and the Domestic Emoluments Clause. The Foreign Emoluments Clause makes clear that a president or any other official of the government may not receive foreign benefits of any kind uh, from any foreign government. Uh, And the Domestic Emoluments Clause applies only to the president, says that he shall not receive any benefits from the federal government or any state government other than the federal salary for the office of the president. This president has business interests all over the world. Uh, They include connections with foreign governments. He's been receiving those benefits from the moment he took the oath of office, treating the Oval Office as a profit-making enterprise at the public expense, and he's been in defiance of those two provisions of the Constitution since then. That alone is impeachable. Then we have beyond that all the other incidents that have occurred since this president took uh, the oath. That includes obstruction of justice with his firing of James Comey, the former FBI director that then sparked the Robert Mueller investigation, special counsel Mueller's investigation. Mueller, of course, has found in his 448 report, 448 page report, that there are 10 separate incidents of obstruction of justice, separate and apart from the firing of James Comey that he identified uh, were serious enough to consider 
a criminal indictment, but ultimately decided that he would not indict because of the longstanding policy uh, under the Department of Justice that a president somehow cannot be indicted while sitting in office, which we disagree with and many other scholars do. And your work speaks of a president who committed countless acts of obstruction of justice that, in my opinion, and that of many other prosecutors, had it been anyone else in the country, they would have been indicted. You would not tell us whether the president should be impeached, nor did we ask you, since it is our responsibility to determine the proper remedy for the conduct outlined in your report. Whether we decide to impeach the president in the House or we do not, we must take any action necessary to protect the country while he is in office. Protecting the sanctity of our elections begins, however, with the recognition that accepting foreign help is disloyal to our country, unethical and wrong. We cannot control what the Russians do, not completely, but we can decide what we do. And that this centuries-old experiment we call American democracy is worth cherishing. The longer that we wait, uh, the more dangerous this matter becomes, because there will be those who try to argue that we're now in election cycle and somehow we should wait out that process. But there's no such thing as impeaching at the ballot. How do you think the impeachment inquiry will impact the 2020 election? Well, first, I should say we're, we're a nonpartisan organization. We're engaged in doing this uh, not because of some electoral strategy, but to defend our Constitution. But I think that what's important is that the president face these charges, uh, that he's committed these impeachable offenses, and that every member of Congress and every senator be forced to vote on this question, uh, and that the public be further educated on these high crimes the president's committed. I think there's been an enormous amount of deception and disinformation that's been attempted by the Attorney General of the United States, William Barr, and of course by the president himself to claim that the Mueller report was an exoneration uh, of his actions when in fact it was the opposite. Uh, but you know, I, th I think that the impeachment process will draw that out much more so than these closed door hearings that are now happening uh, in Congress with specific witnesses who are defying uh, the you know the questions, uh, claiming some immunity or executive privilege that the White House invokes. Well, because I I do think it will impact not just the presidency but also the House and Senate in 2020. And I think you're right. I do think we need to get names down. Like, I want to know who you are if you are not for this inquiry right now. Exactly. Right. And not, not to mention the fact there will be a very dangerous precedent that gets set if we do not start this inquiry. We will effectively be telling future presidents, including uh, uh, President Trump, if he somehow were to get reelected, that he's emboldened to go even further. Uh, and that is a dangerous, dangerous moment for our republic to set that precedent and essentially have the shredding of our Constitution in broad daylight without a response from Congress. I'm Congressman Joe Kennedy, and I believe that impeachment proceedings need to begin against President Donald Trump. I come to this conclusion with no joy and with no satisfaction. But having read the Mueller report, all 448 pages, Having discussed the circumstances of that report, the findings of that report with current federal prosecutors, with former federal prosecutors, with legal experts, in my own experience as a state prosecutor, I believe that no other conclusion can be made. Throughout volume two of the report, the part that dives into the questions of to whether the president of the United States obstructed justice, the special counsel's investigation reveals that on multiple occasions, there is sufficient evidence to believe that he did so. The beginning of that report outlines the requirements needed in order to prove the offense, and on multiple different occasions, the analysis indicates that that standard has been met. If we're at the point where the president has obstructed justice, I don't believe there's much else we can do. The special counsel has done his job. It's now time for us to do ours. It's Congressman Harley Ruda, and I have come out in favor of an impeachment inquiry. Let me tell you how I got to that point. In mid-May, I was on record in, on both CNN and MSNBC that if this president and his administration continued to stonewall our repeated request, our constitutional request for subpoenas and documents, that we would be left with no other alternative but to seek an impeachment inquiry. And 
by the end of June, I came to that conclusion based on the continued uh, unwillingness of the administration to do their job and make sure that witnesses were provided and documents produced. So I do support the impeachment inquiry, and I'm hopeful that we can bring this corrupt administration uh, in front of the American people for what they have been doing and will continue to do. I think what is needed is more public pressure and more public demand on members of Congress. And I actually think that if there were to be a private whip count right now of members of Congress, we would see even more numbers than we have already for supporting an impeachment inquiry. And I think what has to happen is to demonstrate uh, that regardless of what district you're in, if you're in Katie Porter's district, which is a recently flipped district, or if you're in a true blue district, the question is really the Constitution and what will you do in this moment of crisis to stand up and defend our republic. How did you interpret the Mueller report? I interpreted it as an impeachment referral. It was a roadmap sent to Congress, even though it was delivered to the attorney general. It was designed for Congress to start impeachment proceedings. We don't agree with the decision that it's not possible to indict a president sitting in in office. But we do think that given that he refused to indict, it's clear as ever that his report was designed as a referral to Congress to start an impeachment inquiry. I'm Congressman Ted Lieu. I sit on the House Judiciary Committee and Robert Mueller's testimony last week to the House Judiciary Committee and the House Intel Committee was a turning point. His report and his testimony establishes three devastating facts. First, that the Russians attacked American elections in 2016 in a sweeping and systematic manner. Second, that the Trump campaign knew about this attack, gave the Russians internal polling data, and used information from the Russians to help Trump win. And third, that the president engaged in numerous acts of obstruction of justice to stop the investigation into this attack. What the American people and members of Congress now do with these facts, we'll know in the coming weeks. I love The New Yorker. It represents some of the best writing in America today and holds people in power accountable through compelling storytelling and rigorous reporting. From politics, news, international affairs, climate change, popular culture, arts, fiction, and of course, their amazing cartoons, The New Yorker covers so many different topics. I love reading pieces from John Cassidy, who covers politics and economics, and Evan Osnos, a Pulitzer Prize finalist who tackles politics and foreign affairs. I, of course, also follow Emily Nussbaum, who won the Pulitzer Prize for Criticism in 2016. Clearly, I trust her opinion when I'm deciding what to watch. I'm very excited to share that The New Yorker is offering my listeners a special offer. You can get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6 plus an exclusive New Yorker tote bag. This gives you unlimited access to newyorker.com with 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day. All you have to do is go to newyorker.com slash sorry to save 50%. Again, that's newyorker.com slash sorry. Okay, as many of my listeners know, finding a bra that fits is a pretty difficult task. And going to a store to try on different styles can be time-consuming and so frustrating. But I just discovered Third Love Bras, and they are great. I tried a few different ones, and not only are they cute, but they are so comfortable. Third Love has a Fit Finder quiz, which takes under 60 seconds and uses data points generated by millions of women to help you find the perfect fit. They also have more sizes than most other brands, including half-cup sizes, and offer a 100% fit guarantee. If you order from them, you have 60 days to wear the bra, wash it, put it to the test, and if you don't love it, you can return it. And when you do that, they'll donate it to a woman in need. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 15% off on your first order. All you need to do is go to thirdlove.com slash sorry to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off. That's thirdlove.com slash sorry. Okay, Renato, if you were representing someone like the president, what would your concerns be? 
If I represented uh, President Trump, my first concern would be this uh, Southern District of New York investigation because um, his his fixer is already going to prison for a campaign finance crime, and he was implicated in that. Uh, and some other executives of his of his uh, company, the Trump Organization, are also involved in that set of transactions. And they're literally referenced in the charging document that the federal prosecutors put out. So that's a real concern. Whenever your client is referenced in a charging document that comes from the Justice Department, that's very bad news. Uh, it's a bad day for uh, any uh, anyone's client. Um, so that that would be the my biggest concern. But I think you know there are certainly um, an overwhelming number of different legal issues facing Trump uh, from a whole bunch of different directions. And if I was representing him, which I'm glad not to be, um, I would have to literally put them in tiers of problems because there's all sorts of problems, some that are just a nuisance, some that are time consuming, and some that are, are more serious. Is it safe to say that he is safer as a president than as a civilian? There's no question that he's safer as a president than as a civilian. You know, first, because he is, you know, because of the Justice Department's view, he's insulated from an indictment while he's president, or at least um, that that appears to be the case uh, from federal indictment, I should say, not necessarily from state indictment. So that does help him. Also, look, he has some measure of influence um, over, uh, certainly over Congress, Potentially, um, obviously, over the executive branch, uh, you know, and the the question is, how could he exercise that influence? But, you know, I I will tell you, I now I'm on the other side. I represent clients, some of whom are under investigation from time to time. And I think a lot of them would like to say it's a witch hunt or go on, go and influence uh, prosecutors that way. But their words don't carry as much weight as Trump's. And it's very rare that somebody is able to use that sort of uh, technique uh, to their advantage. But he has a very big bully pulpit and he's decided to use it, uh, for example, to go after the people who are investigating him. This is just a hoax. I call it the witch hunt, but it's really a hoax. It's the greatest hoax ever in the history of our country. And it's the worst political scandal on the other side. And when Donald Trump called your investigation a witch hunt, that was also false, was it not? I like to think so, yes. Well, your investigation is not a witch hunt, is it? It is not a witch hunt. Well, this is why I think that this is so important, because coming up on 2020, obviously, huge election. This man, now, you know, you've said out loud he is safer as the president as he would be, you know, or more so than if he were a civilian. This man is probably going to do or say anything that it takes to get reelected. And we need to remember that as as voters I mean, the the guy's not really strong on truth anyway, but I think that he is going to really, really say anything that he has to say to try to get reelected. And I, you know, it's obviously started now. I, I think that's safe to say. And I think there is an element to which he's going to be able to get away with doing a lot of things that I think all of us are, all of us, sadly not all of us because the country is very divided, but many of us are going to find very disappointing. I, I, I will tell you as somebody who is a lawyer and was a federal prosecutor for a long time, a Justice Department employee, I, I'm very bothered by his comments about the judiciary, about federal law enforcement, about the people at the Justice Department and FBI who are working very hard to defend us and protect us. Uh, I'm also very worried about, you know, some of the ways in which he suggests using the legal system in a corrupt fashion. But, you know, he seems to be getting away with saying those things. They don't they're not being used, held against him. And of course, on a regular basis, Trump is saying things that disappoint so many of us, whether it's making, you know, feigned statements towards Nazis and white supremacists or uh, making comments about uh, racial and ethnic groups or uh, turning a blind eye to the treatment of immigrants. He is doing all sorts of things and saying all sorts of things that are profoundly disappointing and profoundly hurtful to many people in this country. And I think it's going to be a very ugly election in 2020 because when you are somebody who is trying to have a committed 
40% base. The goal on the other side is to build up the negatives on the other side and potentially split the vote or reduce the vote on the other side. Because somebody who's trying to build bridges on the other side, if they're able to accomplish that and unify people and have a positive campaign, I think that that's a danger to Trump. So I expect a very ugly election. And it's unfortunately going to do a lot of damage, I think, to this country and damage that will be hard to repair, you know, even if Trump is defeated. I'm Amy Vanderpool, and I'm a lawyer and analyst who writes Shiro on Substack.com. Here are my thoughts on whether the Democrats will move forward on impeachment. Democratic leadership is currently doing what amounts to an impeachment investigation as we speak. They're essentially doing the impeachment inquiry now and utilizing the courts to gather and review evidence. And considering the speed at which legal proceedings typically move, these cases are being ruled on quickly and often in the favor of Democrats. Whether or not they begin formal and public impeachment hearings will depend on all of the evidence that they gather and the continued support for impeachment from the public. So while you have to remember that democracy was intended to be slow to protect us all, you also have to know that calling your representatives to demand action is your civic duty and essentially required in this situation. The one crime that I think is in public view that we've all seen is obstruction of justice. Right. You know, he has obstructed justice all sorts of different ways, uh, as far as I can tell. And what I get the sense of is that that is sort of baked into people's uh, perceptions of Donald Trump. In other words, um, I think everyone just when when Trump um, attacks the people investigating him or, you know, it looks like he's trying to influence the whether it's the acting attorney general right. or um, the current the current attorney general or someone else. Everyone's just like, yeah, that's just Trump being Trump. And, you know, I've spoken privately with lawmakers um, in the House and, and in the Senate. And I've, you know, said to them, my view is that it seems like there's there's no way a, the Senate would convict uh, him on obstruction of justice. I think there's too many Republicans who view that as just Trump being Trump. And that no one has suggested that I'm wrong on that view. I mean, I don't, you know, they're, they're all sort of resigned, I think, to that reality. And so I, I'm, I will tell you, I'm, you know, that's disheartening to me. It's a concern. I certainly, there are some legal arguments you can make, legalistic arguments about why, you know, there's, there's certain uh, lawyers who make arguments of why a, a, a president can never obstruct justice or something like that. I don't, or can, can only do so in limited ways. I don't find those persuasive, but those are certainly, to me, the sort of arguments that are technical legal arguments that, that wouldn't work ordinarily in an impeachment uh, context where you're talking about whether or not, you know, the president has done something worthy of removal from office. So I'm really concerned about that. My first priority and most important responsibility is serving the needs of the people of California's 49th district. In my seven months in office, I've kept my focus on our district and not on the distractions of Washington, D.C. But I can't ignore the dysfunction, corruption and abusive democracy that we witness every day from President Trump. We have the serious crimes revealed in the Mueller report, including multiple cases of obstruction of justice. The president encouraged foreign interference in our elections. We've witnessed his contempt for democratic norms and institutions, including his repeated failure to respond to legitimate requests for documents and information, making it impossible for Congress to exercise its constitutionally mandated oversight responsibilities. I don't take this decision lightly. Quite the opposite. Given the current political climate, it may prove impossible to impeach the president, regardless of what a House inquiry reveals. But it remains my responsibility to do what I can to protect the rule of law and defend the Constitution. I take that responsibility very seriously. I take just as seriously my commitment to the people I represent. My focus will remain squarely on the people of the 49th and on my work in support of our veterans, in protecting our coasts and our clean air and water, and improving the quality of life for everyone I serve. Take Watergate out of this question, but are there other certain cases throughout history that you could look back on and compare to what we're facing today? <laughs> well, not completely. I, I think that's safe to say. I think that, you know, certainly the Iran-Contra scandal was one in which there were a lot of efforts to obfuscate or, you know, to hide some of the 
um, wrongdoing, uh, to pardon some of the, the people involved in order to escape their cooperation. Some of the elements of the obstruction of justice was there. I, uh, pretend, you know, or arguable attempts to obstruct were there, or at least to, to sort of um, massage the issue in the press. Some people, are, you know, some people would, would point to the crises that we had after the Civil War, which ultimately resulted in the impeachment, although not removal of a, of a president who was trying to um, stymie what the Congress is doing. But look, you know, while we've had a lot of crises as a nation, civil wars and world wars, I don't think we've had a president that's so far outside of our constitutional traditions, so far out of the norms that we've come to expect and the baseline that we've come to expect from a president. I mean, to me, I will tell you that the one upside that I have seen, uh, or one of the upsides I've seen from the Trump presidency is that, um, it's provided a lot of moral clarity. I mean, certainly to me, I have done everything I could to speak out about this presidency. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I, I there's some, there's this moral issue that's so, um, so immediate and so pervasive that I need to, to say something about it or else I, I couldn't live with myself years from now if I didn't. One thing I will just say is it's much harder than you might think to prove someone's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, particularly when you have to prove knowledge and intent and a lot of things like that that are not um, that are not things that you can just record on video, for example. You know, in other words, you know, I, I prosecuted all sorts of crimes. And when I prosecuted crimes like bank robbery or or narcotics trafficking, the question was just identity. Did you get the right person? And no one, no one's going to argue with you that bank robbery isn't a crime or that they didn't intend when they pulled the gun out to rob the bank. The issue is just was I the person who did it? But here, you know, with with this type of crime, and I spent many years investigating and prosecuting everything from uh, market manipulation to you know tax evasion. Um, those crimes, you know, you know who the executive is, you know where he works, you know where he, uh, what he's doing. The question is, did he have the intent to defraud people or did he have the intent to launder money or so forth? Those crimes can be challenging to prove. We saw even in Paul Manafort's trial where there was, uh, you know, insane amount of evidence that the jury hung on many counts. So I just, I, I do, I do worry that expectations are such that people are going to potentially um, be surprised at how the system works and, and lose some faith in the system, um, in, in how, in, in terms of how difficult it may be to develop charges, for example, for lying to Congress or for lying on a, on a, uh, disclosure form or some of the other issues that I think people think are slam dunk uh, potential I, but crimes. I, I want to talk to you about this new phenomenon that seems to be happening, which is just the art of lying. Mm hmm. I have never remember a time where it has been this pervasive. I mean, people are lying under oath, being called out, and then potentially lying again under oath. They're cheating. And, you know, I feel like from day one, Trump has sort of conditioned us to this behavior to make us seem like all of these lies are not really a big deal because, you know, his lies are having no impact on holding him accountable for them. So does truth just not matter anymore? Wow. It's a great question. I think that Trump wants truth not to matter anymore. In fact, I think that what he's doing is trying to to make it so that people believe that there's no really no such thing as truth, that it's all a matter of opinion, that it all that every news source is biased, that you can't trust anyone but him to get the truth. I will tell you, I have many of my relatives have voted for Trump and a lot of them, you know, listen to his news sources. And, you know, when I discuss issues with them, they'll say, well, this this or that is a matter of opinion. Even if I'm talking about, for example, legal issues that there is a right or wrong answer to, and I'm a, I would like to think I'm an authority on the subject. Um, I will, uh, they'll tell me, no, that's just a matter of opinion, or they'll disagree about basic facts and, you know, um, not really have a basis to do that. But I think that that is very much what he's trying to do. And it's a way of essentially trying, you know, that it reminds me of back when um, there was this quote that was attributed to Karl Rove about how. Uh, that people live in this reality-based community and they were trying to create their own truth or their own reality. And that seems to me like Trump is taking that on, on to steroids and, and really is trying to 
change our view of truth to, to redefine, you know, he's redefined what the truth is and what's going on in the world to his followers. So, you know, I will tell you, you know, you're talking about, you know, people's sort of blase um, attitude towards the truth. I'll say as somebody who was a federal prosecutor for a decade, I'm used to people trying to lie under oath. I'm used to people lying to my face. I'm used to people lying with FBI agents sitting next to me when we're asking questions. And, you know, I think what 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 we're used to, though, is that people, when they're in elective office, holding themselves to a higher standard than the criminals that I used to investigate and prosecute. I mean, you would hope. And the fact that you would. Uh, but I think that what's going on is, you know, if, if people are left to this lowest common denominator, you know, one thing I think we can find is people are, are looking for the legal system to bail them out. And they find that the legal system is... Um, is not uh, is not a perfect instrument to do that. In other words, it is actually ch- a challenge to prove that somebody lied under oath because you have to prove that they knowingly and willfully made a, a false statement. Not that they made a mistake, not that they didn't have their mind on it, not that they misspoke, but they knew the truth at that moment and that they deliberately told a falsehood in order to deceive the other person. And that sounds like you're like, yeah, of course that, you know, I get people all the time asking me, well, didn't Jeff Sessions do that here or Matt Whitaker do that there or whoever it may be. And the the fact of the matter is it's just often very challenging to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Similarly, our First Amendment rights protect people's right to say all sorts of crazy things about other people, particularly public figures, uh, and get away with doing that. Um, is if they have no honor or no sense of ethics. And there are times like Rudy Giuliani and others really string that um, by saying, you know, and they use that, uh, the protections of our legal system, and Trump does, to say all sorts of things that are false or indefensible and get away with it because they, they know that the legal system is set up to allow them to do that. I mean, what do we have to do, though, to get back to the place when truth actually matters and people care and then they're consequences for people who lie. It just feels like anyone could say anything right now. Nobody's held accountable. It feels like the the wild west of of words almost. Yeah, I will say that as to the truth issue, I think that's a really challenging one. I I am very concerned. One thing that concerns me, Alyssa, is when I do speak with my relatives because I come from a pretty pretty um humble background that they're they're they don't can't even have a conversation with me because we're dealing off of separate sets of facts they live in a separate world than i do and i think that we all we need to work out we can't rely on the legal system or anyone else to police us it's got to be something where we create standards um of um uh you know for some sort of external standard that you know, enables us to sort of say that this these, this statement is true and that statement is false. But if people don't care about the truth or falsehood anymore, I mean, Trump now attacks fact checkers, um, the very people who are who are trying to do that. Um, you know, if we if we've gotten to the point where that doesn't matter, I don't have a good answer for us. I will say that a lot of the other things that people are worried about, people tell me all the time that they're upset that certain uh, corporate corporate interests aren't brought uh, into bear. You know, certain you know practices practices that they think are unfair or unjust aren't taken advantage, aren't, you know, tackled by the legal system. I do think there are ways to handle that. But generally speaking, um, you know, just relying on lawsuits and indictments and things like that to solve those problems isn't the way to go. We're going to need reform uh, in order to change the legal system uh, into one that, that better responds to some of the concerns that people have. My name is Piper Parabo. I'm an actor and an activist. I believe that Congress should open an impeachment inquiry. Congress's job is oversight. And the Mueller report identified 10 acts of obstruction of justice by the Trump administration. That falls under the category of high crimes and misdemeanors. So it's Congress's responsibility to open an impeachment inquiry. Your representatives of Congress are home right now for the homework period. They'll be home all month. So... If you agree, go and see them at their offices in state or at town hall meetings and let them know how you feel. They represent you, so it's important to speak out. As we're in the thick of it right now, what is the lesson we need to take away from this and we need to remember 20 years from now? What would that lesson be? I think, wow, that's an amazing question. I I think that it would be a, a sense of urgency. I think there's a lot of people 
who have grown sort of complacent with how Trump is. In other words, well, you know, the the country hasn't come to an end, the world hasn't come to an end, so we don't need to have the same level of urgency we had before. Well, the Democrats have the House. Uh, they're able to block a lot of the things that he's doing, so it's not so bad anymore. Uh, and you, it may a lot of the people listening to this may say, like, well, that's not me. I'm not that way. You know, this doesn't apply to me at all. But I think all of us have friends who are. Uh, I think all of us, um, you know, whether it's your your kids are in the same little league or dance class or, you know, you live down the street from somebody. There are a lot of folks who are just like, you know, I've got a lot of things going on in my life. None of this is that important. None of this is that urgent. And I think on so many different levels on, you know, what it's doing to our country, the, the, the impact it's having on people who aren't even in our country, people around the world, refugees, people who are um, being mistreated or in custody, um, people who are seeing this president as um, a leader and, and, and are, you know, are developing kind of views of themselves and their, whether it's their gender or race or their, their, their situation in life, they're developing views that I think could impact them for, you know, debt, you know, years to come and crises, by the way, like whether it's a climate crisis or other things that are not being addressed in any way. Uh, there are so many reasons why you should be concerned about Donald Trump and what he's doing. And I think if you're not urgently doing what you can on the, uh, to oppose him, to try to um, move the needle forward in some way, I think you you may be kicking yourself years and decades down the road. John, I just want, for my last question, I'd love for you to uh, send my listeners off with a call to action. What can people do who are enraged that, you know, want this to start happening. So we would urge people to join us at impeachmentproject.org to sign up for updates, but also to go to our allied group by the peoples organizing all over the country on this impeachmentguide.com to sign up there as well uh, and to learn about how to become active in your own community to help demonstrate to your member of Congress and to people you know in other districts uh, that they need to start this impeachment inquiry. This is going to take we the people. This is a power we have through our elected representatives in our constitution to defend our republic when faced with a lawless president, and we have to stand up and act now. This is Senator Michael Gianaris. I am the Deputy Majority Leader of the New York State Senate, uh, representing Western Queens. Donald Trump should be impeached because we should not allow him to lower our standards of acceptable governance. Any other president that had done the things that he has done would have been impeached long ago, and he must be held to account. This is a man that uh, it is indisputed tried to have fired the person who was investigating him. Uh, I don't know what uh, more we can find in terms of clear obstruction of justice than someone trying to eliminate the person who was looking into whether crimes were committed on his behalf. Uh, it is Nixonian uh, in a way that uh, has been discredited in this country long ago. Sometimes it seems that because Donald Trump is so outrageous, he gets away with things that other people couldn't, and we should not allow that to happen. Uh, it is indisputed that the Russians tried to interfere in our elections in order to elect Trump, uh, and an investigation into that uh, is what he had tried to prevent and continues to try to prevent to this day. So I hope that our members of Congress uh, get the backbone to do what's right. Uh, this is not about crass political considerations, but about uh, what is the right thing in the course of history so we can look back at this uh, awful period of time in our nation's history and say that we stood up and we did the right thing for America. My open letter to Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, Minority Leader of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, Majority Leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, Minority Leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, and all elected officials in congressional leadership positions. Leaders, which identity means more to you, American or Republican, United States citizen or Democrat? 
I ask because as the list of impeachable offenses continues to pile up against Donald Trump, your inaction makes it look like you've forgotten the reason you were elected in the first place, to serve the people. Your constituents did not vote for the congressperson from the 27th district of the Democratic Party, nor to be the senator from the RNC. You were elected to do your absolute best to act in the interests of the people that you represent. It can no longer be argued with credibility that what is best for the people of the United States is to allow Donald Trump to remain in office. It's not just that he obstructed justice, although he very clearly did. It's not just that he uses his office to drive profits for his businesses, although he does. And it's not just that he has been credibly accused of rape and sexual assault by more than 20 women and girls, although he has. The Mueller report is clear. The president of the United States committed impeachable crimes. But just as importantly, the news is clear. He is a racist who cannot faithfully discharge the duties of his office as it applies to people of color in this nation. The president's cynical racist rhetoric from the highest office in the land is not compatible with what is needed in an American leader. You each took an oath when you assumed office. The president took the same oath. You swore to well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you were about to enter. This oath obligates you to act without consideration of political party or political consequences, barring the unlikely invocation of the 25th Amendment. For the next 15 months, you are the only people in our land constitutionally vested with the power to remove this incompetent executive from office. So do it. Our past and our future demand it of you. Soon scholars will write about this tumultuous time and let us be clear. History hates the bureaucrats and politicians who enable the bad guys and who abuse their power for personal gain. Do you want to be remembered as someone who stood up against presidential wrongdoing when it mattered? Or would you rather go down in textbooks as someone who refused to act in the interest of the people because political power mattered more than doing what was right? It is time for Congress to do its constitutional duty and impeach and convict Donald Trump. Patriotically, Alyssa Milano. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Sim Sarna and Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our supervising producer is Allison Bresnik. It's edited by Josh Windage. Our production associate is Daniela Silva. Music by Josh Cook and Alicia Eagle. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry Not Sorry. Sorry Not Sorry.